The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the Law Offices of Jacob Imrani. Accident or injury, call Jacob Imrani, call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinske. Sue Baloo, it is the day before Valentine's Day. It is the day after the Super Bowl. We got a great guest coming up, Adam Pally, who's got a movie called Who Invited Charlie, uh, which is really funny and kind of leads into something I wanted to talk about with you today. First of all, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) How how did you like the, uh, the big game, as they call it? I I like the big game up until the bullshit holding call at the end. Yeah, it was a bullshit call, no question. You know, in a game like that, you don't you don't call that. You you probably don't even call it during a regular season game because he had his like hand on his back. On really, his, yeah, on his back. Didn't really pull. Didn't. Re- Although I saw the the the, uh, the defensive player today, the name slips from my mind, and he says. Yeah, it was holding. I I hoped that the ref wouldn't catch it, but he did. He acknowledged that he thought it was a hold. Yeah, but then I look at the distance that he would have had to have the the receiver would have had to have gone to yeah. get to that ball, and there's no way in the world he would have gotten there. He never would have gotten there. No. No. Anyway, it, it it you know it it was really just the whole thing was an anticlimax because then you had Kansas City dripping away the clock in order to right. set up the the game winning field goal and not let Jalen Hurts have the ball back and so what was a really good game ended on kind of a a lame note but uh, Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable uh, you know he they scored on every drive in the second half unbelievable so You're whatever right. Andy Reid was doing absolutely work. Now, I wanted to ask you this. Mm-hmm. Terry Bradshaw, I don't know, did you hang around for the interviews after the game? I didn't. Okay. So Terry Bradshaw is interviewing Andy Reid. This is up on the podium after all the confetti and all that stuff. And he says to Andy, Coach, come on over here. Waddle over here. Waddle? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Then at another point in the interview, and this is this is about a minute and 15 seconds, he says, now you're getting pretty much up there in age now. Uh, are you thinking you're going to keep doing this uh, Super Bowl thing? So, okay, there's two. So now it's weight and age. And on the way out the door, the last thing he says is, well, go have a cheeseburger on us. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> God, could he be like, it was like a trifecta of insults. It was. <laughs> here this guy just wins the Super Bowl only to be insulted by Terry Bradshaw. And, you know, when you think of his coaching, for him to ask a question like that, his coaching was just brilliant. Yes. I mean, yes. I know the first half they, you know, they weren't the Kansas City Chiefs as we know them, but the way they came back in the second half was just nothing short of, you know, 
a, a coach that that really knows their shit at whatever age he was. Yeah. Now, did any of the ads jump out at you? Are, are ads still a thing for you? Are you watching the commercials? Did did anything say? Oh, yeah, that's the winner. I watched the commercials. You know, I made the mistake. I told you that I was going to stay home and watch the game with yes, Tom, which yes. I always do. Uh-huh. And I got invited kind of last minute um, to a friend's house. And I, you know, we're very good friends with them and we haven't seen them in a while, in a while. And they, and a couple that we really like that are their friends, but have become friendly with Tom and I, okay. I haven't seen them since the pandemic started. Okay. So it was like, okay, great. And I know that my girlfriend's husband really is into, you know, into sports. And I was like, he's going to be so into watching the game. So there was a lot of chatter. And at one point, I don't know what TV service they have, but like in the very beginning, it just, it shut off. The game shut off. And I said, oh my God, if the game doesn't come back on, I have to leave. Sure. So it came back on, um, so there, there was some things here and there that I didn't hear, but most of the, I saw most of the commercials and the commercial that I, there were two commercials, three commercials actually that I really liked. Okay. Um, I like the one with, um, Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Bradley Cooper. And that's his mom. I think that's right? his mom yep. and how she was razzing him. And it was all outtakes, which was so hysterical to me. And when she said to him, you know, you don't, you know, you don't really know what you're doing. He says, I know what I'm doing. I know it. And she she told me he looked like a clam. And she's like, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I was nominated for an Oscar nine times. And then she said, yeah, but you never won anything. (laughs) (laughs) That was just a really fun and nothing to do with T-Mobile, which I find a lot of the commercials. Most of the time, I have no idea what they're trying to sell. They There's no connection. So I like that one. I like the cat playing the piano. Yes, cats doing funny things, always funny. And I Who was that the, for? I have no idea. See, that's okay, so that didn't work. That didn't work. Um and then it was the Ram fifteen hundred um electric vehicle. Oh yes. And and the range anxiety, which was the theme of the commercial yes. and all the examples that they gave of people being anxious. I thought it was really smart and funny. Did you notice how many, I mean, just grab a celebrity and stick them on a I know. Super Bowl ad. It's crazy. And some of them are so random. Like at one point, Brie Larson and John Hamm are in a refrigerator for some reason. And Pete Davidson is there. It's like three people you would never see together. Brie Larson, John Hamm, and Pete Davidson. But it, do, you, do you remember the commercial, what it was for? Um, it was for Hellman's mayonnaise. Yeah, it was for mayonnaise. And it's like, Hellman's, really? Yeah. You spent all that money? Now, do you believe in the idea of spending a Super Bowl, uh, spending the seven million dollars it costs for a Super Bowl ad, or would you take that money and divvy it up amongst a bunch of shows if you were an advertiser? I mean, if you have the money, yeah, Super Bowl. I mean, everybody watches it. I mean, it's get you know, it has such a a wide audience. It just surprised me that they were one of the advertisers. The, my favorite one was a random one. It is uh, it was for Doritos. And it starred Jack Harlow. And the slogan for Doritos is apparently play the angle. And Jack Harlow learned to play. He gave up rap and he dis- and music. And he decided he was just going to play the triangle. Yeah. Um, and at one point, and you know that bit from Saturday Night Live where it's, I need more cowbell. Cowbell, yes. At one point, somebody yells, 
uh, we're out of triangles, but we have <laughs> cowbells. And I thought, really, really funny. Um, yes. And then I always think it's interesting to see what movies people are promoting like really, really early. So the flash was one of them. And you know, the big deal with the flash commercial commercial, what that was, right? Uh, no, Michael Keaton as Batman. Oh, Michael Keaton as Batman. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, there was one for uh fast 10, which is the fast and furious movies. And I, you know, I love those things and I, I'm really excited for fast 10. I'm, I can tell by the look on your face that you are not. I'm not. It's just, it, to me, it's like the fast and the ridiculous at this point. It's just, it gets crazier and crazier. It gets, and then, you know, I saw Charlize Theron is in it. And at some point, every actor in the world will have been in a Fast and Furious movie because they'll probably make a hundred of them. No, this is supposed to be the last one. Okay. Yeah. Fast okay. goodbye. It's not exactly a fast goodbye. It's been 10 movies, but yeah, no, this is supposed to be the last one. I love the Fast and Furious. I especially love the last one, Fast Nine, where somehow they got a car to, um, to merge with the space station, the International <laughs> Space Station. I'm like, yes, that's what I'm looking for out of this movie. Um, yeah. Creed three was promoted, which looks great. And it mm -hmm. looked to me like, the fight, the championship fight is at Dodger Stadium uh, from one overhead shot that they showed, some drone shot. So I'm interested to see that. That's March the 3rd. And then Air is the uh, Michael Jordan Nike story, uh, which features Ben Affleck as Phil Knight and Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro. And this idea that you would build an entire shoe brand, the Jordan brand, around one guy and the way that all came to be. I thought that was that was really good. Now, I, interesting that you did wind up going to a party, a Super Bowl. Would you call it a Super Bowl party? Nah, because there was only, there were like six of us there. So it wasn't really a party. There were a couple of kids there, you know. Um, I never would have gone. I never would have left my house if it was a team that I was rooting for. Yes, so to me, I really didn't care who, who won the game. I just wanted it to be a great game. Yes. Um, so the fact that I didn't have a personal attachment to it, that's why I went. Yeah, right. So, so it wasn't now uh, the entire game we were thinking, God, can you imagine last year we were at the Super Bowl and the Rams were about to win it? And, uh, of course we finally have been dethroned by the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I, I wanted to throw out this because. You know, I have noticed, and we're going to talk to Adam Pally here in a minute, and he's got a movie that's sort of centered around the pandemic and personal relationships and all that stuff, that we really have separated into pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, that we really live in a fundamentally changed world. And one of the reasons for that, well, one of the ways that's happened is that we don't I, like normally I go to Super Bowl parties. Normally I'm, you know, pre pandemic, I would have been at a Super Bowl party and they just don't, they're not happening as often as they used to. And I think we're increasingly missing this sort of this socializing that used to take place. And I don't think it's really good for any of us. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why I do a few more things that maybe I wouldn't ordinarily do. 
And also, like, I, I have a long standing get together with a group of girlfriends and it's been going on since before the pandemic. Is this the one on the roof that I've never been invited to? Oh, no. Judy's uh, pot smoking. Uh, <laughs> the pot smoking pot, on pot the smoking, roof. Pot smoking Saturdays. It's on her deck. No, yeah. we, we, we actually haven't done that in a while, but we, we did that during the pandemic. Um, so this is a group of girlfriends. Um, we all know each other from New York through stand up, either husbands were comedians, but it's, you know, it's writers and artists. And anyway, um, so I, I did that on Saturday and, um, that's something that I cherish so much cause I missed it so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just love the fact that we have this situation every six weeks we get together at the same person's house everybody brings a dish and it's just um it's it's just um it's 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 healthy yeah it's healthy and we yeah. we increasingly i think look for a way i mean you know my brother works from home four days a week my nephew never goes to an office mm. um there are uh you know infrequently now uh parties and get togethers and like we've thrown some really big parties in our house and we have not thrown one since the pandemic happened. Right. And, you know, and I think also I read an interview with Barry Diller, who of course, big time show business executive for many years. He says that, and I think this is one of the other ways we get together is movies that he doesn't think that in 15 years, there will be movie theaters that that just will not exist as a thing. And that's another place where we get together, we socialize, we all get under the same roof. So this stuff I think is disappearing. And I think it's bad for all of us. We're all becoming more isolated. So I'm glad you went and hung out somewhere with some people. Sorry, their TV went out for a minute. That must've been a freak show. <laughs> that would have been well you know me i'm i'm so calm in those situations. you are always so calm yes always so calm <laughs> it's like what's going on steve what what, what the, it's not the game's not on. come on yeah and everybody else like could care less like my girlfriend's like i don't even like i don't even know where the remote is like <laughs> it's like and here i am well like, whoever knows where the remote is really she's so she so was she was a uh, 180 degrees away from where i was at like she could care less like even like at one point, she actually said, I'm going to mute the commercials. And I said, what? You can't mute the commercials. I said, I'm doing a podcast tomorrow morning and I have to watch the commercials. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because our guest is in a movie, as I mentioned, that revolves around relationships and the pandemic. And I, I want to get to that. He's an actor. He's a comedian, a writer, and a producer, probably best known for his role on the ABC comedy series, Happy Endings. His newest project is executive producer and star of Who Invited Charlie, which is currently playing in select theaters and on demand. Adam Pally joins us. Adam, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So we definitely want to talk about Who Invited Charlie, which I loved, which we loved, and congratulations oh. on, on the movie. Thank you so much. It's so uh, it's so nice to to hear that you you liked it. So you started your career in improv, upright citizens yes. brigade, and lots of uh, a brigade and a lot of uh, improv groups. And I'm guessing from watching you on Happy Endings and in this movie that you were were you just a funny kid growing up? I was shy. 
I feel like I was always the new kid. And so part of my like coping with that was to make people laugh. It was like a little bit easier to get them to like you if you could make them laugh. So um, I would say it was more out of necessity than like, uh, like charming precociousness. Um, there was a desperation to it. But, uh, but yeah, I think I always had a little bit of a, a wit. Do you remember the first time you ever did improv and how scary was it? Or was it scary? Yes, it's still, it's terrifying. Improv is one of the, the scariest things to do. You have, you're going out there to entertain for a long period of time to people who have paid money and you, you, you have no material. So it's like, it's truly, uh, uh, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty terrifying now still. I mean, um, the first time I did it, uh, I think was like a student show. Like I had taken a class at the UCB and I was like about 19. And at the end of the class, there was a show. And so I, I, I went out and did a, did, did a scene in the, in the show. Um, and then I, from that point, I was like, oh, this is, this is, I think, what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, even the names, you know, I, I, if your Wikipedia page is to be believed, Death by Ruru, Ascat <laughs> 3000, Chubby Skinny. I mean, even the, even the names are fun. Are you still out there doing it? Um, I haven't done improv in, in, in a little bit. Um, it's harder to, to kind of find, uh, you know, and, 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 and improv is so much about the people you're doing it with. And so I haven't, I haven't really had that chance in a while. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I do comedy shows here and there and I'll pop up and work on some stuff and, um, you know, try, try to flex that muscle every now and again. So the fact that you are an improv actor, um, how how much freedom do you get as an actor when directors obviously directors know what your what your history is? Um, do you do you, <laughs> get, do you get do you get a lot of freedom as an actor to to go off? Um, um, that's a great question. Uh, uh, sometimes you do. I think you have to read the room, and I think it it depends. You know, I. I started the Upright Citizens Brigade, but while I was there working during the day, I was going to the actor's studio where I had my degree from. So like, I, you know, it's a mix. It's like, you have to know what is expected of you and you have to kind of um, feel it out. And sometimes you have to straight up ask. And, and the real challenge is just like when, when you do figure out what kind of vibe it is, is to stick with it and to go, okay, well, like, this is a play. I, I'm not, I can't improvise right now. And so you kind of shut that part of your brain off, you know? So you were in a great comedy called happy endings, which is really funny. I actually went back and watched a couple of episodes to get ready <laughs> for this. And it, it holds up great, great ensemble. Um, every actor on that show <laughs> got their chance to shine during those three seasons. And we talked to uh, Danny Pudi a while back from, uh, from community and, the creator of his show community is a guy mm -hmm. named Dan Harmon. And he said that I know Dan. the key to an ensemble comedy, it's 90% casting. Do you, do you agree with that? Um, yeah, I think TV shows are lightning in a bottle, you know, and you gotta be able to catch it, you know? Um, and that can mean the writing, the acting, the, the, the directing. It, it, sometimes it's, it's one that's so powerful that breaks through. And sometimes it's all three, you know? So I, I, 
I don't know. Ninety percent seems like a high amount because if if it was just ninety percent people they, they weren't doing anything, it probably wouldn't be. By the way, yeah, let me think about that for a second. Uh, How could it possibly be ninety percent? Yeah, but I feel like you know Dan is is very sweet and he had a great cast that he assembled and um, produced by the same you know happy endings and community shared DNA. So um, I uh, you know I think he's being humble. Yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing. I, you know, that we, we did po- a podcast a while ago and one of the subjects was, um, pilots that recast after the pilot. And it was really amazing mm-hmm. to me how many, how many actors that I thought were the original actors that were actually in the pilot. And, you know, but it just amazed mm-hmm. me how many people were replaced after a pilot. That's true. That happens quite a bit. It happens even more, even more at a table read. Yeah, exactly. So for every, every pilot, it's like they're looking to replace one of the actors. You know, it's like, um, it's like, uh, NBA players and GMs. like you're looking to get traded. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to get any television show on the air at all. So you, one of the things that I remember is that, uh, when happy endings was, canceled it was like a shock uh because the show had been doing really well uh fans were rallying around the shot uh the the show how how surprised uh, about that were you and what did it mean for you for all the fans to sort of show up on social media and all that stuff saying hey wait a minute uh it's i mean it's 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 super it's nice anytime you have anything that people like you know this this business and this job is so hard to make a living at that the fact that you that you can put out something and have people be like i really like that is is a huge win um so any way it comes and any time to me is 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 great you know uh there are people that come to me and say they liked a a a movie from 10 years ago that i made that they didn't see till now it's like i i'll take it i love it thank you um but uh it, I don't think it was a shock. We were always kind of on the, the brink of being canceled. And I think um, it was, we, we knew, I mean, like we, you could tell in the energy of the show that we knew that we didn't have a long time. And so we kind of had the best time we could. And we made uh, a bunch of uh, relationships that have lasted um, an incredibly long time. And, uh, you know, I think all of us kind of look at that, that experience and go like, yeah, that's about what it was. Like, I, you know, we, we gave it, we left everything on the field. So it's really nice that even now, 10 years later, people are talking about it. Yeah. Like I always wonder, you know, what the morale would be, you know, Steve and I did a morning radio show in New York, like over 20 years ago. And we found out Mm -hmm. that, you know, that, that, the show, you know, was, was going to end soon. And those, the rest of the shows, I guess it was maybe a couple of months or maybe two or three months yeah. were our, were our best uh, shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think happy endings always had that, you know, kind of energy to it. Um, so uh, that, that, that persists throughout it. And I think it kind of makes those, those however many episodes we have like kind of special. 
So let's talk about who invited Charlie, which I loved. You're an executive producer and a star of the movie. How did how'd the whole thing come together for, for you? Well, I was actually um, prepping to do another movie with one of the producers of this movie, David Frankel, um, who's a great director. Yeah, he's been on this uh, show, made, in fact, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Love David. And um, it was uh, kind of a big, high-profile movie, biopic, and I had gained a lot of weight to play this part. And I, um, then the pandemic hit and the movie went away. And so I was, um, uh, started by pandemic where most people ended it like, (laughs) like (laughs) overweight and depressed. (laughs) Um, and then about six months later, he called me and he was like, how have you lost the weight? How are you doing? I feeling I was like, I have not lost the weight. And I'm not doing well. And, <laughs> and he was like, great, perfect. I have a script for you. Uh, and he sent me this script. And uh, I had um, met the writer before, Nick Scott, who um, is a, a theater mate uh, with Zach Knighton from Happy Endings. So um, I had, was going into reading it being like, I know Nick. And I read it and and I loved it. And I was it reminded me of... of you know, kind of all my favorite movies of of the eighties, like Uncle Buck and Planes, and Automobiles, and you know, later on, what about Bob? Is just like it had that tone to me, and I knew what to do with it right away. And it was just like as soon as I got that script, it was ha- it was happening, it was going. Like go back day. for a second before this, um, you said that you had a role where you were supposed to gain weight. How much uh, fun is it to actually set out to gain? weight for a role did you eat like all um, the stuff you wanted or how'd that work yeah it's fun for a little it's fun for a little obviously because and it's fun to tell people you know what i mean they're like you know you're out to dinner with someone and you're like oh, i have like, two cheeseburgers and they're like whoa and you're like well i'm getting i'm gaining weight for a role it's like very you know it's really fun to do that but after about a week uh you start to naturally um slow down and it's just like eating that you get depressed and then you start like catching glimpses of yourself coming out of the shower and you're like, Oh man, like I knew it was bad. I didn't feel like it was this bad. And then you, and then you get on a scale and you're like, Oh my God. And so like all that. And then, and so like you're feeling all those feelings, but at the same time, your goal is to keep going. So it can be, it can be hard, you know, it can be a challenge. Um, I'll take my, it. I'll take it on. My, my, <laughs> my husband is not an actor. And at one point he had gained some weight and I actually said to him, um, did you secretly get a role that I don't know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, because if I gained a lot of weight, I would tell people it's for a role. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no, you need to, you need to come up with some cover. So, and it's always like, and, and look, I love nothing more than telling people I have work. Uh, so and in that sense, it was great. Uh, but like morale wise, you know, it affects you. It affects, and I think you, you also gain a sympathy. Um, you know, I was, I've been, been all over the map weight wise and you really do gain a sympathy for people because you're like, it, it, it's hard to carry it around. It's hard. 
So I'm a regular uh, cannabis user, so I can appreciate Charlie's kind of stoner mentality. Is it, is it, yeah. Is it, uh, what fun? Up, dog? <laughs> is it fun as an actor to play uh, stoned? Is it like playing drunk or do you just, how, how, how do you do it? Um, I, you know, uh, even though Charlie smokes weed, I feel like you rarely, he rarely is stoned, you know, to be, to be, um, specific about his behavior. I feel like he's, it's more of a, I don't know, um, as, as someone who is a maintenance user, a cannabis user, I, I don't feel like Charlie is, um, necessarily like stoned all the time. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's actually quite present in a lot of ways. And I feel like one of the things that we were trying to, to do and show is like, um, you know, I don't necessarily notate, um, cannabis use with like laziness or, um, uh, you know, anything like that. I, 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 notate it with sort of a care more of a carefree attitude mm -hmm. or a creative attitude than necessarily a depressive one or a um uh and maybe that's my own justification for the way that i grew up but i i do feel like what we were trying to do was show like i don't think this guy is is depressed i think this guy is um carefree Mm -hmm. And that was a, a, a kind of a modern difference, I think. That's what I love about your character, that he is so carefree, because I know people like Charlie, and I wouldn't say that I'm uptight, but, um, you know, there are things that, that will you're get a little, me. You're a little uptight. <laughs> hey, wait no, a minute. Hey, Steve, no, I'm not uptight. But there, there, are, there are things that, that will upset me, and then I'm around somebody, someone like Charlie, and they're, and, and I'm kind of envious of someone like Charlie because he just does take a lot of things in stride. And it's, I guess, you know, the hackneyed expression of, you know, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, but he just goes through life in a way that is very, very appealing and, and kind of a little contagious, I think. I, I agree. Um, you know, and, um, and, and that don't put the small stuff is kind of the point of the of the movie in a lot of ways, you know. Um, in my in, in in my opinion, like uh, when I read it, and 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 as someone who has gone, you know, I'm forty, I'm about to be forty one. Like with children, I've lost parents, I've dealt with illness. Like, you know, I've lived a life, uh, and um, I think I could use a little bit more, Charlie sometimes and i think we all could and so it was nice to kind of you know uh live in that space for a little you know yeah. and i think i've taken i think i've taken some of it with me like kind of like you know if austin butler is speaking like elvis then i am certainly living a little more like charlie that's good <laughs> that's good i like that well yeah. stick with it. i heard austin butler gave it up so stick with the uh the charlie vibe <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. So uh, there's so many there's so many bits of business in this movie that just make me laugh. Uh, you know, I love the the teaching the uh, Max to to smoke weed with the, with the the lighter flame 
fat part inhale (laughs) cough is just like fantastic and the other one i love is thank you and i will use this all the time uh when uh, they tell him he has to go on cobra he says it's really expensive they don't want you to use it that's why they call it cobra which is just fantastic (laughs) now i would imagine in this movie there's maybe more improv than in some of the other stuff you've done not really. I mean, I think, I think, you know, that's the, the sign of a good script. First of all, is that you can, you read it and you go, I know how to make this. I know how to make this sound like a, it's, it's happening, right. you know, and not thought. And so I think that that's, um, you know, it's, it's like some of it, sure. But, but a lot of it was um, uh, written. And also when you're doing an independent film, you don't have time to, <laughs> to like, sit around and go, you know, it'll be funny. Like you, you're burning money. You have to get through the day as fast as you can. And you have to get your shots. And oftentimes you only get one take. So, um, yeah, some of it is improvised, but, but truly it, it was a great script. Uh, and I, uh, to me and I, and I, and I liked, uh, I, I, again, like I, it's like, um, someone hands, it's like a guitar player gets handed like a, a a telecaster or something or like, I know what to do with this. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were talking at the top of the show before you got here about how life is really divided. I, I think life has been divided into pre COVID and post COVID. Uh, you know, people work from home and, you know, uh-huh. handshakes and hugs become fist bumps. And sure. uh, I mean, all, all that stuff has changed. I normally get invited to Super Bowl parties. I didn't know anybody uh-huh. throwing a Super Bowl party this year. Um, but I thought all that stuff was the stuff that Charlie really brought to this family. He kind of saves this family during yeah. a really, really hard time. Um, and I think that I, I, I think we need more, more Charlies. We need more, <laughs> more people like that, that sort of bring people together in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, um, you know, I agree. Like, I, I feel like life, is there's definitely these markers and COVID is one of them. But I think one of the things, at least that I've learned in life and similar to Charlie is like, there's always markers. Life is always changing. There is no normal. There is no, like, this is what it's going to be. We don't have that luxury. And if we, if you think you do, if you think that you're like in control of every day, then you're kind of like, that's your coping mechanism to deal with the fact that we all don't know when something is going to happen next. And that can be scary or you can kind of embrace that and start to feel like, well, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. And so, uh, I think like that is a big lesson that I, that I take from Charlie. And I think, you know, one of the things that he talks about nine 11 and, you know, because like if this was twenty years ago, we'd all be saying life is two different things, right? It's before nine eleven, it's after. Yeah, 9/11. you're right. You know, and so uh, if it was twenty years ago before that, we'd be like, you know, life is two different things. Life is, you know, uh, before Nirvana and after Nirvana. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like life is two different things before we dropped the bomb and after. It's like life is. That's what life is. Life is always uh, changing like that, and so I think. Um, one of the things that I've picked up from this movie and I, and luckily I, you know, this is where I can't tell if it's like, did I do that to Charlie or did Charlie do that to me? But like, I, I do think I've always kind of 
carried this and I think I got it from having like um, pretty great parents, but um, I'm pretty comfortable with who I am and, and what I can do and, and what I can't. And I'll push those limits sometimes, but what that does is it gives you like a, a security in how you're able to maneuver the, the world in your life because you're like major things will happen but I, I'm not leaving this kind of. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I read an article Harrison Ford talked about. Uh, they, they were talking to him about uh, Shrinking, which is his new series, which I checked out last night and is really. We don't really need good. to publicize someone else. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was, but I was, what I was going to say is Harrison Ford <laughs> in this interview said, "I know who I am," and it made me think. You know, at what age do we know who we? Are. Like, do you know who you are? It sounds like you know who you are right now, right? <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, you're always discovering new, just similar to life. It's like you're always discovering new things and you have to be open to that. But I think there's a certain element of like, um, yeah, like, I don't know if it's knowing or comfortable with not knowing. Hmm. I can't, I can't tell which is, which it is. But I, I think that the, the answer lies somewhere in between. Yeah. 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 I think it's also not to get all like, you know, psychological on it and like we're in therapy, but it's no, just, it. it's, it's, well, it's just being comfortable where you are, you know, no matter what it is, like you could be uncomfortable where you are, but to be comfortable mm-hmm. being uncomfortable, like it's, it's yeah. okay to be uncomfortable. And like, you know, you do improv, so, you know, there are those moments where it's like, you know, but just, yeah, kind of most go. of my career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. I did, I, and I, I think did, an, being an, no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I'm so no, sorry. I was going to no, say no, that no, no, no. You know, I, I come, I don't come from improv, but I come from the world of stand up. I did stand up for a very long time. So that was, you know, and you're, th- and you're up there by yourself and you're uncomfortable. <laughs> You know, Mm -hmm. um, and just allowing that moment and embracing it. You know, there have been times where I like repeated a joke and uh, like uh, and then like I embraced it and I said, okay, maybe too much pot tonight or whatever, whatever I said to get myself out of it. But right. Yeah, no, it's 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 I think that's all those things are are helpful to like finding a sort of like peace in in the in the world. I mean, I think also, you know, uh, being an actor, you're the good ones are consistently being, um, told they're wrong and able to adjust. And so it's not really even wrong. It's like, that's the point of being an actor. A director is pointing you in a direction. So if you're like, no, I know where I'm going it's like the whole thing is ruined. You right. know, you're, you're out of your lane. You're, you're, and so there's a certain element of like being comfortable with being wrong, adjusting, changing that I think um, is, uh, you know, a, a gift that my job gave, has given me, will let me, <laughs> I think it lets me survive a little better. Um. You as a creative guy in this, in this world we're in right now, um, where, and, and obviously who invited Charlie is playing in select theaters and, you know, definitely go see it in a theater or watch it on demand. I feel like 
do you, do you feel like in 15 years there will be movie theaters? Like I used to own movie theaters. Um, and I owned a, uh, as many as All 37 right, screens. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and I, I got out of the business in, in 2016. So just in the nick of time, but I, I wonder if there are going to be movie theaters in 15 years. Do you think? Yeah, I think there will be. I think, I think entertainment like is still best enjoyed with friends and peers. You know, I think it's like, uh, but I think that, that there are, it, it will always be changing and always be adapting the way that like, you know, I mean, what was the biggest form of entertainment before anything? Like we all read books, yeah. you know, and society was falling apart because we weren't all like going to the movies together. People were still being educated and learning, you know, it's like, there's just a different, it's just different. I, I think probably the way that if you, were to, if you were to ask me, like, what do I see for the industry of movies? I think um, uh, it will become a bigger deal to go, you know, and it'll become a bigger deal to have one in the movies. Like, you know, Broadway had a great year. Yeah. Live concerts are having a great year. And there's a reason for that because you want to go and see it. So the reason that I think part of the thing that's hurting movies is that they're available everywhere. Um, and so I think eventually you're going to have to get comfortable with like a movie only playing in your city for a week. And then it's going to move on to another city before Netflix. You know, right. I think, I think that might happen, um, possibly, but, um, uh, who knows, who knows, but I do think, yeah, I think there will be movie theaters and I think they'll probably be super fun and cool. So uh, we talk about movie theater. I always love these things uh, when people get together under one roof. It used to be church. Church uh, people don't go to church as often as they used to. People don't go to the movies as often as they used to. Sports is the one thing where people do come together. And like Super Bowl Sunday is one of those places. Um, one of the rare times when we are all watching the same thing at the same time. I would say like I've been doing um I've been working on like a one man show for the last year and I've just been like popping up in New York clubs and stuff. And I would say, I would add to that list. Like comedy is thriving hmm. comedy. Like what's the number one thing on all your streaming sites? Yeah. Stand-up. Right. And like, no matter what city you're in, the clubs are packed. People are packed into those places. They want to, I, I think that, that, um, gatherings are actually never going to go, away um and like you know we may all die like society may collapse and we all may get each other sick but like you need human connection and you need shared experiences and they may change what they are but like i think entertainment is one of the main things like people like new york is packed people are going to the to broadway you know like walk through times square it sucks again yeah like (laughs) they're they're Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm in LA right now, and like I was talking to a friend, they're like, "Oh, I'm going to see a, a play." I was like, "What?" You know, like a people, play in LA? <laughs> yes, yes. Like people are out out of their houses if you give them a reason to be right. And I think that's where the, that's where the industry is at odds because um, it's like. Uh, there's so much money being made in so many different places that these conglomerates are actually like, you know, like Warner brothers is upset because like back girl back, they got to write off back girl, but it's like, they own it. They could have put it out in theaters. Like, 
Sure, another arm of Warner Brothers. I know it was made for HBO, but it's all this legal stuff. It's like, you know, there's so much money that these companies are eating their own tail. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know. I don't know how it how it gets fixed but well you know you were you were talking about stand-up i was in new york in october and um the original comedy cellar is where i spent a lot of my time as a stand-up over the last i don't know maybe five years or six years they have opened they have three comedy cellar clubs in a like less than a mile radius of one another and every club is jam-packed sold out like every night (laughs) oh yeah comedians are rock stars yeah. you know there's there's that that's what we want now we want to be told how you feel about all this shit um and i like it i think it's great you know um i don't agree with all the comedians and i don't go there for answers but i you know i think it's amazing that it's that it's thriving and i think i think um you know people aren't going to church anymore because religion is on the down selling is yeah. becoming out of vogue you know, it's like, I don't want to be told how to live my life for the afterlife, but I think that's, that's universal. Yeah. Not just church, it's temple, whatever, like all people don't want religion. So that's why that's going out of style. But I think if you said like, well, Bo Burnham is doing three nights at like, you know, the at whatever, I'd be like, I'd be there, you know? Yeah. And right. so that's, it's, it's a diff, it's just a different different thing that people want well listen the movie uh is great who invited charlie it is my favorite movie of 2023 now it is february uh but it's my it's my 23 my favorite movie of 2023 it is so much better than women talking um which i didn't <laughs> i don't know we were going up against that oh wow wow it's, it's I, don't I, don't, I don't know whether i don't talking. know whether to be insulted by that <laughs> no you they're can... different i would say they're different categories i, I, don't I think would women say so. it's a comedy <laughs> you 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 don't appreciate women talking no i love, no, no, women, I love talking. women talking <laughs> i didn't appreciate the i i didn't love the movie didn't love the but i did love who invited charlie it is in select <laughs> theaters you. it is on demand right now adam it's great meeting you let's talk whenever the next thing comes along Oh, thank you so much. And really, I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. No, I think that should be the pull quote. What? Best movie of 2023, better than women talking. That's That would be my pull quote. That's so uncool. <laughs> <laughs> what makes that uncool? No, it's funny because when I told Tom I had a screener for the movie, Yeah, he said, uh, oh, I definitely don't want to see that. He says, I don't need to watch a movie of women talking. <laughs> <laughs> you misogynist piece of shit. He didn't even know what the movie was about. Just by the title, he didn't want to watch it. <laughs> um, so I've got the screener. I haven't actually watched it. I had a feeling. Because it doesn't sound like a movie you would watch. No, is it good? Tell you the truth? Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't crazy about it. <laughs> You know, I thought it was an important movie because it's based on a true story. Right, right. And 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 the performances were good. I just found it to be um, a little one note. <laughs> so, so. It should have been. It should have been a stage play. It took place in like. Was it a play? 
I, it I don't like be. it when it feels like a play and it's actually a movie. Just it well, it basically be. took place in like you know, like a barn. Yeah, know? it's like, funny. I there's uh, I may have mentioned this on the show before, but Chelsea Handler on the Critics' Choice Awards uh, made a joke. She said, um, "Yeah, you know, uh, women are now uh, you know making making important films like Women Talking, and you know they gave James Cameron a three hundred and seventy five million dollar budget, and they gave Sarah Pauly a barn." Yeah. Which is <laughs> the whole thing happens in that barn, right? Yeah, yeah, uh huh. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm not. I, yeah, probably not. You know, and and, and then you know, look, you know, I, I like my dinner with Andre, which was just a dinner in a restaurant. That is true. Know? It is a great movie. So, so it really it wasn't real. The location of it, it was just. Um, it just seemed like they were talking a lot about the same thing over and over again. Did you vote in the SAG Awards yet? Uh. No, I didn't. You didn't? Are you going to? Yeah, I will. Yeah. 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 Best ensemble is tough. Women talking. I don't know. Babylon is, you know, it's funny. (laughs) I am probably going to vote for Babylon. Of course you are. Which I love. I bet Tom would love Babylon. Sebastian Roche will. Tom didn't like it. Oh, didn't he? No, he watched it with me. Did you ever go back and finish it or did you only watch the first 20 minutes? I just watched maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes. Um, I will go back. I just haven't had a chance. Yeah. But I will go back and watch it. Because otherwise, we're going to have Sebastian Roche back on the show, and he's going to read you the right <laughs> act. Um, all right. There you have it. There's your Culture Pop podcast. Thanks a lot to Adam Pally for joining us. Uh, hope you have a good uh, Valentine's Day. Hope the Super Bowl was fun for you. Uh, we will be back soon with another show. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop podcast on Apple, Spotify, or at stevemason.com. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. Uh, see you next time, Sue. Appreciate it. And we will see everybody next time on the Culture Pop podcast. 